Hey, Christ Church Albany, and thank you for joining us for week four of Unanswered Prayers. I'm Zachary Steins, and if you're not familiar with kind of how things are running this summer, we're actually gathering in community groups. So if you haven't been able to join us and be a part of one of those community groups, I encourage you, go to our website, fill out some information, and we'll get you connected with one that fits best with your schedule. Um, and through that, uh, hopefully you'll be able to make a some, some new connections with folks um, around you, but also have some wonderful discussions around uh, these challenging questions of unanswered prayers. Additionally, kids is a little bit different this summer. So Jess and Allison are putting together wonderful programming on Wednesday nights. So this upcoming Wednesday, August 10th, from 6 to 7.30 at First Lutheran, uh, there will be a event for the kids where they're able to kind of gather together and have some programming where they're able to learn more about God. And so I encourage you um, to take your kids um, to that event. And so, again, week four, Unanswered Prayers. We've kind of walked through the first couple weeks um, and we're really have, you know, as we work through kind of the days of the Holy Week, we've gone through Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and we have arrived at Holy Saturday. That idea of where is God? Um, when so often we, we have all these prayers and these troubles, and yet we feel God so far off. Um, and I feel like if that you've ever felt that way, or if you're feeling that way, just be reassured. Know you're not alone. Um, and And if you don't if you don't take my word for it, I encourage you to, to maybe dive into some of the Psalms because uh, I think they're perfect examples that we are not alone in that. Um, Psalm 10 is a great example. It opens up in, in Psalm 10, 1. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you pay no attention during times of trouble? And I think that's just a perfect example that, that if you are feeling that way, if we are feeling that way, we have solidarity, and at least we're not the only ones. Uh, and that you even had psalmist uh, lamenting and crying out to God with that exact uh, question, where are you? And so tonight we're going to dig into that. And so I encourage you, as you're watching this video, uh, listen in, think, and but ultimately open up. Open up to the folks around you as you're maybe discussing. Uh, open up to whoever you may be watching with. Uh, and so I just, I, I think that that really is a wonderful opportunity for us to learn from each other, but also understand in a lot of this, we, we are not alone in our questions. And so let's enter into a time of prayer and then we will get started with the video. Lord God, thank you for gathering us here. Uh, we just pray that Lord, you are present in the conversations that you speak to us through these lessons. But ultimately, Lord, that you are growing us and you are building us up and developing us and that even in those moments of absence where we feel you are very far off, that, Lord, we can know we are not alone, um, that you are present, um, and that we also are surrounded by others. Uh, that have similar experiences and similar questions of where you are. And we're able to find solace in each other too. And Lord, I just pray that you uh, 
allow us to be open and honest with each other tonight uh, or this morning. And Lord, I just I pray that you would just keep us growing uh, and opening up our hearts deeper to you and your will in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again. Welcome to session four of the prayer course, part two, Unanswered Prayer. Last time we explored Good Friday and the big why questions we ask when our prayers don't work. Today we arrive at Holy Saturday, the day between Christ's death and resurrection, and ask the where question. Where on earth are you, God, when heaven is silent and your son lies dead? in the grave. And as usual, I'm joined by Pete Gregg, who's the author of God on Mute, the book that accompanies this course. Hello again, Pete. Hi, Gemma. I've been looking forward to this conversation, actually, because Holy Saturday just completely fascinates me. And yet normally we hardly really discuss it. Mm. And I think this really, though, is precisely where many of us live most of our lives, somewhere between the cross and the resurrection you know, between dear God and amen. So it's like we can't deny what Jesus has done for us yesterday on the cross. We may well have high hopes for what he might do tomorrow, but here we are today in a kind of a limbo, just waiting for breakthrough, struggling with unanswered questions, wondering why God's, you know, sometimes silent. So that's Holy Saturday. Mm, Sounds like an interesting conversation. So, Pete, why do you think that we do this leapfrog then from Good Friday to Easter Sunday? Well, it's partly just that the Bible doesn't give us much uh, information about Holy Saturday. But I think it's also that we tend to want everything explained and resolved and tidy in life. Uh, We don't handle ambiguity particularly well, I don't think. Mm, Which is weird, though, because as I think you pointed out in our very first session, the Bible is full of questions and struggles. Right, yeah. One of the most shattering depictions, actually, that I know of Holy Saturday comes in, in this book here, Elie Wiesel's uh, Night. And it's a personal account of life and death in Auschwitz at the height of the Nazi Holocaust between 1944 and 1945. And then there's a particular day described in, in, in the book when they are forced to watch as three people are hanged, two men and a boy. And watching this, someone behind Elie Wiesel uh, cries out, where is God? So the question we're, we're thinking about today, where is he? The boy takes longer to die than the men because he's so much lighter than the other two. And so I, I just want to read you this first-hand account of this harrowing moment, if that's all right. Mm. For more than half an hour he stayed there, struggling between life and death, 
dying in slow agony under our eyes. And we had to look him full in the face. He was still alive as I passed in front of him. His tongue was still red. His eyes were not yet glazed. Behind me, I heard the same man asking, where is God now? And I heard a voice within me answer him, where is he? Here he is. He is hanging here on this gallows. At moments like these, I guess we would all stand in silent horror with Elie Wiesel, doubting God's love or even just his existence. And yet as we do so, we realise that this scene of such evil that indicts our belief in God also graphically depicts the very crux of our faith. Right, the cross. Exactly. I mean, it's understandable that many people ask, where is God in, in the face of terrible tragedies like this? It must have been, I think, the disciples' question on Holy Saturday, the day after Jesus died. Where is God? Especially with the words of Jesus still ringing in their ears. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Now, some people watching this may well be struggling with faith itself because of some tragedy in their life. And others may be enduring a season of divine silence, feeling like their prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Yeah, I, I can relate to that, actually, because I've actually never found faith particularly easy. I think I'm a, a doubting Thomas, probably a bit too quick to ask, where are you, God? And my wife, Sammy, on the other hand, she's the opposite. She didn't have the benefit of growing up in a Christian home like me. And yet her faith, it just never seems to waver. It's rock solid. Wow, I'm really surprised to hear that you struggle with doubt. Oh, no, definitely. At one time, I remember I was sitting by Sammy's hospital bedside, um, just absolutely desperate, as low as you can be. Uh, Sammy had had a particularly serious uh, set of seizures the night before. And with appalling bedside manner, you know, I turned to Sammy and said, do you ever just wonder if maybe God doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. And she responded to me, Pete, getting rid of God right now won't solve any of our problems. Wasn't that a great reply? Wow, your wife is awesome. <laughs> she said, without God, I wouldn't have hope for this life or the next. You know, I'd be nothing more than a highly evolved animal needing to be flushed out of the gene pool because my body's now broken, right? So I, I think I will stick with trying to trust because it's way better than the alternative. Mm, what a woman. You know, one of the things that's actually really helped me as I process some of my darker uh, days, is this thing. It's, uh, well, do you know what this is? Well, for anyone that's seen me on my children's TV show, I know that I play a pirate. So I'm going to say it's something to do with navigating at sea. That's amazing. You're exactly right. Every pirate worth his or her salt <laughs> needs a sextant. For many centuries before satellite mapping, sextants enabled sailors to navigate by the light of the stars. So this, I mean, this really was an essential piece of kit. Mm. Do you actually know how to use it? Haven't a clue. <laughs> I use GPS. 
<laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> but, but do you know how to use it? Uh, no, I've got a crew to do that for me. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like that. Look, the point is this. We now know that stars can be up to 10,000 light years away, which means obviously if a star dies, it could take us 10,000 years to notice that mm. it had died. So it's perfectly possible for a sailor with a sextant to navigate by heavenly lights that may have died. Mm, okay, I'm with you. It's like Elie Wiesel's story, n- Night. You know, it's like Auschwitz. Mm. It's like the first followers of Jesus on Holy Saturday. If you've ever feared that God has died, remember it's still possible to navigate by the light of dead stars. You can still trust the light you once knew the things you once held true, and they will carry you through the darkest night to the dawn. There's someone else who came through concentration camps and survived with their faith intact. That was Corrie Ten Boom. Mm -hmm. And she famously said, when you find yourself in a long, dark tunnel, that's not the time to get off the train. Mm. Um, Pete, can you just maybe give me some pointers on what that means then practically? Yeah, I mean, I think it means, first of all, having faith in the faith of others, even when you don't have faith in yourself, mm-hmm. right? So you can you lean into your Christian friends and uh, don't isolate yourself from them. And secondly, I think it means a, a daily choice to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts, even though your feelings are telling you to do the exact opposite, right? If you're constantly saying that star might not be there anymore, you're just going to get shipwrecked. Like trust that it is still there, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think it also just means doing the things that you once did, like going to church, reading the Bible, just the basics of faith. Uh, Because those things, they may feel like just like you're going through the motions, okay, at times like that. But we always use that phrase, going through the motions negatively. And I actually think there's something vitally important about spiritual muscle memory in those kind of seasons. Mm. Isn't that a bit like the dark night of the soul? Yeah, that, that, that term, as you probably know, was popularised by that 16th century mystic, St John of the Cross. And he says that many people, and actually in the process of maturing spiritually, go through seasons when heaven is silent and God seems to have abandoned them. And although this may sound like a standard kind of crisis of faith, John's really clear that it's actually the exact reverse. It's a profound process of growing and going deeper in your faith. Mm. Well, today's guest certainly knows a thing or two about being trapped in the darkness. So, So far in this series, we focused a lot on people whose experience of unanswered prayer lie in the realm of healing. But today we're looking at a different kind of suffering and a different kind of prayer. The bus stopped, taxi stopped, just it's around 8 o'clock. The whole area is just quiet, so only you can hear my, my voice. So there are 600, 700 around people gathered. So when I start telling about the gospel, 
people they start crying. Even Muslims continue. Nobody strong, stone, just keep silent, crying. But the government, they arrest me all the time. My name is Helen Brahane. <laughs> I'm from Eritrea, Asmara. So in 2002, the government recognized only four religious groups, four religious allowed, uh, Catholic, um, Orthodox, Lutheran, Evangelical, and uh, Sunni Islam. So I uh, start uh, preaching the gospel as I do on the street. So they arrest me and, but uh, finally, because the church was shut down, so I decide to record uh, one CD. Yeah, I decide to record CD so they are not happy. When the church shut down, how she record a CD? So they found me in real underground where I'm teaching young people. I have been teaching them around one month. One day they found out. So they tortured me very badly. So they took me to sixth division, it's a prison. So I say, oh, that's good. I can preach here because the church is closed. So in the morning, I start telling them about Jesus and everybody's quiet and listening. It's amazing. They found out I'm singing in the evening. So they come and they torture me and they decide to send me to military prison. So when I pray one day for one very ill man, so they come and they decide, she's continuing what she's doing. So they decide to send me to, they call it my sorwa, which means container. So this is kind of purpose to silent me. So we're asking, uh, so what is next? They, they don't care, they close the door, they left. So around one o'clock, 1 p.m., the temperature is extreme, hot. So you can't light the container. So all of us in the middle. So it's kind of suffocation. Uh, people, they feel uh, kind of dizzy. So they are three different uh, age, like teenagers, middle age, also elderly uh, women. So the elderly women, they are kind of, maybe we will die. Also the teenagers, they start collapse on the floor. So I'm in the middle. So they say, uh, Helen, uh, what can we do? So for me, it's new. I don't know if we survive or we die because, so I say, please God, help me. So in these difficult times, God have answer. If you ask him and if you start to hear what he's saying, most of the time we speak, but we don't hear what he's saying. Now, the only thing we can do, we sing, I told them. Huh? Sing? What can we sing? We need to sing Jesus Christ, he sacrificed himself on the cross just for love. So I think that that is enough to worship him.
So to hear song for the gods, it's kind of shock. Something is new. <laughs> so I start singing. I say, thank you for this toilet. Thank you for everything by my language. It goes like this. Tamas gambohulu, tamas gambohulu, tamas gambohulu, tamas gen, tamas gambohulu, tamas gambohai, tamas gambozahli, tamas gambohai, tamas gen, tamas gambozahli, which means thank you because it's hot. I say thank you for this hot. Also in the night calls, I say thank you for the call. For the heart, so I mentioned all these bad um, things. What's happening? All dark. So all of them, they start follow me to sing with me. So we are singing, singing. So when we sing more, it's loud, more loud, more. So these guards, they are kind of what is this? They shock and they open this container. They start torture us. If you ask me, the situation is, yeah, it's hell on the earth. But when I start teaching guards, they are very angry. So almost they try to kill me. But I don't know how I survive, but always I'm saying, the reason I survive just to be testimony for others. I'm not uh, panic because when things happen, it's kind of stretch your mind, so you start thinking bigger. Was there any point in your faith where you just despaired and you doubted your faith? Once they put me with mental ill woman, I stay with a mental ill woman for 10 months. I say, God, you say everything is for good, but she pulled my hair. I can't eat, she kicked my foot. She shout the whole night. They don't give her any medication. So I say, God, what is this? Asking God, so it's remind me about um, Abraham. He traveled from Philistine to Moria to sacrifice his own son. So I say, okay, this guy, he didn't change the first day, the next day, what? So Christianity, it's not to give up in the middle. So from that moment, I don't care what she's doing crazy inside the container. I say, yeah, I need to stand like my far, my forefathers. Oh, yeah. Helen, thank mm. you so much. What an incredible woman. Yeah. She's locked in a shipping container in the desert, being threatened and tortured. But instead of asking, where are you, God? She's worshipping God. Mm, yeah, and her story reminds me a bit of your sextant. Helen held on to the light so defiantly in the darkness. She took the truths of God's word and used them to navigate through such yeah. terrible times. And I know this isn't anywhere near as serious as what Helen went through, but I had an awful case of adult acne during my time working on Children's BBC. Mm. And I often felt like I just couldn't face going in front of the camera. <laughs> right. But there was this supernatural, obedient confidence that I had in God who helped me to honour my contract and inspire others who were suffering with skin conditions. 
by me actually getting up and going into the studio under the lights in front of the camera doing what he had called me to do and I can assure you that it was only God who enabled me to do that. Oh, Gemma that must have taken real courage. <laughs> oh yeah but I mean it's obviously nothing compared to the courage that, that Helen had. Do you know I, I was really struck by the way Helen derived some of her courage, some of her strength from music. Mm. I think there's such an ancient tradition here of lamenting your loss and expressing your hope in song. It's very powerful. Mm, yeah, it is. And there are a lot of psalms that are like that, aren't they? The kind of ebb and flow between hope and despair. Yeah, absolutely. I like how Richard Foster describes the psalms of lament. He says they give us permission to shake our fists at God one moment and then break into doxology the, the next. Mm, yeah, I like that. So like honest anger one moment and then worship the next. And isn't that really just the paradox of normal life, mm. right? We get hurt and hope together. Praise in spite of all the pain. Mm. Gemma, um, random question. What are you like um, at wiring a plug? Um, <laughs> it's been a while. Why? Well, as it happens, <laughs> I've got one here. And in a minute, I'm going to need you to do this one. So a quick test for you. Which wire is which? What's the brown one? Um, brown is the live wire. Correct. And then the blue one. The neutral. Yes. And the green one. Earth. Very, very good indeed. <laughs> okay. We're, we're all going to be safe in that case. So maybe you can just get on and okay. have a go. at yeah. There is a reason for this, okay. at wiring, wiring this this plug. Okay, what's that then? Well, in a bit, I want to play a record to end this episode. I wanted to show you how biblical lament works using that plug there, okay? In what way? As you know, the live wire is always marked positive, the neutral is marked negative, and the earth that keep us safe. So it's only if you combine those two poles together, right, the negative and the positive in the right way that you're going to hear the song that I want to play in a moment. So in other words, the negative is really just as important as the positive. And it's only by holding together the hurt and the hope that power can flow through our pain. So it, it, we've talked a lot, haven't we, about Jesus crying out from the cross, why have you forsaken me? And how God didn't answer him. Mm, yeah, I think you said that the heavens were silent. Exactly. But I wasn't actually quite right when I said that. Because when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was actually quoting from the start of one of the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 22. And then his very last words from the cross, it is finished, echo its final line too, which is he has done it. Mm, I didn't know that. So what we've got here is Jesus very deliberately reciting, we can only assume the whole of Psalm 22, from beginning to end, in his final moments, finding strength to speak out the first bit, why have you forsaken me, and the last bit, it is finished. So he wasn't just kind of venting some bleak primal scream of despair that echoes down the millennia. He was meticulously articulating scripture in his agony. Somehow, even in this moment of utter desolation, the Bible was still giving language to both his hurt and 
his hope. Mm, now that just makes me want to look up Psalm 22 and find out exactly what Jesus was praying. Exactly. It's fascinating, mm. isn't it? So uh, we're going to do it, but it's quite long. So maybe uh, we should just do part of it, okay? You're going to notice how it pivots between despair and hope, positive and negative. Mm -hmm. How are you getting with that plug, first of all? Done. You haven't? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well done. Okay, well, I'm going to plug that in. We're going to get some music. If you've wired it right, that is. Hopefully. In just moments. <laughs> uh, but first, why don't we just read this psalm together? Okay, this is Psalm 22, so if you don't mind looking that up. Yeah. And my suggestion is... Um, I read the despair verses and then you do the nice hopeful ones in between because you're nicer than that. So. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with verse one and, and just listen for how uncannily it predicts Jesus' experience on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there is no one to help. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Mm. Wow, there's, there's such an uncanny prediction of exactly what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. And I'm wondering if, that might have helped him to realise that God actually hadn't abandoned him after all. Yeah, exactly. Did you notice how his desperate cry of why at the start turns into this triumphant, expectant cry of he's done it at mm. the end? So it's the negative and positive poles coming together, isn't it? Mm. So, Pete, I'm dying to know <laughs> what the record player is doing here and why you got me to rewire that plug. <laughs> well, one of the most powerful expressions of this kind of lament in modern history is the great American tradition of spirituals. So generations of slaves gave speech to both their suffering and their hope in some of the most powerful songs ever sung. Without spirituals, we wouldn't have gospel music and the blues, jazz, soul or rock. That's how powerful lament can actually be. So I thought we should finish today with one of the greatest spirituals of all time. This is a song first sung on the slave plantations more than 100 years ago. Just listen out for the way it combines the positive and the negative, the hurt and the hope at the heart of true faith in Jesus. We are 
session helpful. If you're thinking, I want to go a bit deeper in my prayer life, I'd encourage you to check out Lectio 365. That's the daily devotional app written by me and my friends released through 247prayer.com. Just go to 247prayer.com slash Lectio 365 and you can get it for free there.